Welcome to Enter at Nay, a podcast for horse girls. This is Anna. And I am Beth. We're your hosts. Get your fill of horse talk by listening to us, your new horse friends. We're going to talk about our horses, talk to our friends about their horses in a bi-weekly podcast. We're not experts on anything but what we love about our horses. So come on in and talk with us. All right. Well, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. We are on episode seven. Oh my goodness. Lucky number seven of Enter at Nay. And we are so excited. Today we're going to be speaking with a friend of mine named Jennifer Tonti. And we're going to be talking about what it's like when you switch disciplines. So that'll be fun. But first, let's just catch up because it's been a it's been a minute. Beth, how are things with you and Mr. Pip? Well, he is living his best life in the cold and snow. <laughs> Pippin is definitely I mean, he's a pretty happy guy in general. We've also been having sun more this winter than winters of late. So he's enjoying the sun, he's enjoying the cold, he's enjoying the snow. So yeah, he's doing pretty good. And I have been riding a little bit. You know, when you get all those clothes on, because I go out to the barn, <laughs> but when you get all those clothes on and it's like, I don't know if I can get up in the saddle. Like, I just don't know if that's going to work. Last Friday, I decided I was just going to groom and lunge him, which I do more in the winter. In the warmer months, I ride all the time. But in the winter, sometimes when I'm wearing all those clothes, I'm like, oh, I'll just groom him and lunge him. You know, take the yeah. take the blanket off, see what he looks like. So I did that on Friday. I've lunged him a lot over the eight years I've had him. So we have some pretty significant ground manners, lunging. I worked with a trainer a year ago. And part of what we worked on was lunging. Uh, We were doing free lunging and a round pen. But a lot of the body language and stuff that you use can also use with a lunge line. So he and I have a lot of lunging work done And so he's very good on the lunge line and he does a lot just on voice command. And so it's never an ordeal, but he was so funny last week. Like I was laughing out loud lunging him because he would be going around and I did have him canter a little bit. And during the canter, just every once in a while, he would break into a gallop for like half the circle and he would just like (laughs) run run, 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 real fast. And then he would slow down again and go right back to the canter. And then he would get to another, you know, canter a little half a circle again and then run, 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 galloping again. And (laughs) it was like he was just being really silly. And so, yeah, even the even the lunging is enjoyable in the cold weather. So Danny does that, too, on the lunge lane, like when he starts cantering just at the beginning. And it's kind of like, I mean, he'll even, you know, do like a little bit of scooting and kicking and you know like snake his head a little bit and then just settle down so what have you and danny been up to i mean not lunging but sort of the same thing it just has been too cold i think i had one good week where i rode four times that might have been i don't know was that three weeks ago and then last week i think i only rode once and then this week i've ridden once and next week is not looking not looking good (laughs) Not looking good. I mean, maybe Monday night. So I ride Monday, Mondays and Thursdays right now. I mean, I'll I'll add a weekend when it definitely warms up. And I had just adjusted my schedule so that on 
every other Monday I ride with Diana when she tucks in. And so we can start playing around with pas de deux stuff. And so this past Monday, I was supposed to be doing that. I was supposed to, we have like a whole playlist of, of songs that we need to try our gates with and see if they match up. And yeah, it, the weather was just crappy. And I mean, only having one car, I was like, I'm not going to risk, you know, driving out there. And I'm sure if I had driven slow, it would have been fine. Well, so we both are boarding at Barnes where we have to take like an interstate to get there basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that kind of factors into the decision because going to work for me, I take... I don't have to get on a highway at all. I take roads that are, you know, 45 at the most Mm -hmm. and going to and from work, no big deal. But when, you know, when the roads might be icy and by the time you're leaving the barn at night, it's going to be dark. And the one I go on has all these overpasses. So I just think of like icy overpasses and I just talk myself out of it every time because it's like, if I'm not needed at the barn for chores, why take the risk? Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like, you know, this goes back to on our last episode where we talked about goal setting and I, you know, said, I'm not going to feel guilty about not riding because of weather. And so that has helped. And then it also helped like late Monday and then Tuesday, seeing people posting about driving that night. Yeah. You know, I was like, all right, I made the right decision. So like when I did ride last week and then same thing when I rode today, I mean, I rode, I did like a normal length of ride today. Well, interesting observation last Thursday and this Thursday riding today, I probably walked for 23 minutes. When I start the trot work, he's like, he's blowing the whole time. And that's really good. Like you want your Mm. horse to like be blowing and relaxing into the work. And I need to remember that when I actually do start putting more work into it. So yeah, that was it. It's just been kind of lightweight. And like, I might go out this coming Monday, I'll be riding. And then it looks like the weather will be nice Monday. And I'm probably going to have to take an extra blanket out because it is going to be super cold. So what's been your favorite thing on the internet this week? I'm kind of contemplating purchasing my Western dressage equipment sooner rather than later. So I'm trying to plan for that purchase. And I have picked out a lot of the stuff I want. um, But the saddle is, of course, a much more complicated decision. And especially since there's so many different Western saddles um, with a lot of different features. Now, I have one in my basement that I use for like, it's like my starting saddle. (laughs) Um, But I have no intention of showing in it or riding at length in it. I grew up riding in it. So I've had this saddle for 25 years. So anyways, I need to buy a Western dressage saddle. So my favorite horsey thing on the internet this week is in, and I'm going to, I think I mentioned her every episode, Stacey Westfall's Western dressage group on Facebook. People talk about saddles in there all the time. So I've been going Mm -hmm. in the group. And searching for posts about saddles and seeing what people are saying. There are even more options than I ever knew. And of course, my uh, struggle to get a classical saddle that I liked was so difficult that I kind of don't want to do it again. Right. What about you? What are you finding on the internet this week? 
I started the dressage rider training program. <laughs> this is going to sound so contradictory. I am obsessed with it. And at the same time, I keep having to restart it. So it's a 12 week program. There are three workouts every week. And then you have homework that is like stretching or using, I can't remember what it's called, but stretching, or then you also may have homework to do in the saddle. So each week you have, they're all about 20 minutes and she leads you through it. So it's a video. She's doing the workout at the same time as you and she's coaching you through it. The first workout is a core focused workout. The second one is a yoga focused type workout. And then the third one is like an all over body strength. And the woman that teaches it, she is from New Zealand. She lives in New Zealand, but she's a dressage rider. She's an upper level dressage rider. And so as she's guiding you through the workout, she like talks you through, you know, like, you know, okay, so we're doing this warrior pose with a twist and you're activating the same muscles that you will use when you're in the saddle and you're asking your horse to do a half pass. And so it's just very interesting. Yeah, it's motivating, you know, to have that guidance while you're doing it. And I've only, so I've only made it to week two and I'm about four weeks in, which they're fine with. Like you have access to the content for six months. And then I even purchased like the USB that has the whole program on it, but they have a, a great website and the app is pretty good too. It's very convenient. And my my issue that I'm struggling with is just scheduling the time to do it. Cause I'm really bad in the morning. I get up and I just like, I can't just jump into workout clothes and work out. Like I have to get up and have some coffee and kind of ease into my morning. And then I have stuff to do. And yeah. then at night, like I usually have stuff to do in the evening. Plus I make dinner. Then it's, you know, and then you're tired. And then I'm tired. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know this struggle. <laughs> So I tried to like do a thing where I was working out before bed and that kind of works, but I also get like, you know, amped up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to restart all over from the beginning next week. And I've been doing bits and pieces. I just haven't done it for a full week straight and gotten every single thing. But I think when I restart it next week, I think I'm just going to schedule times because I mean, really the 20 minutes are not that bad, but I'm going to. Oh, is that all they are? 20 minutes? They are like 20 to 22 minutes. They're, oh, they're nothing. And then the other stuff you could do whenever, like the stretches, you can do that whenever. The stuff you do in the saddle, you just do it when you're in the saddle. So, mm-hmm. but it's interesting the things I'm learning about my body. Mm. And um, winter heavy clothing is not helping because I, I have discovered that I really collapse in the front. Mm. And wearing a big coat doesn't help because Mm-mm. nobody can see it. Right. You know, like you're not thinking I need to sit up, you know, straight and balanced on like this, like kind of letting everything collapse and like, yeah. So, but other than that, I love it. That's a funny thing to like know about yourself, like when the right time of day to work out for you is. And I figured out I'm the opposite. I have to do it immediately after waking up. Otherwise I will talk myself out of it. (sighs) So I have to be like half awake and I go downstairs and let my dog out and feed my cats and I do my workout before anything else. I drink water. Yeah. And that's the only way I can do it. If I, I don't just, do it, I then it's probably not going to happen. 
I need to do that because I don't even have that excuse. Brian gets up and takes care of the dogs in the morning. So <laughs> I have no excuse. And like, you don't have to go into work at seven o'clock. No, I don't at all. So I seriously have no excuse. It's just lame, lame, lame. Um, it's hard. I actually, I think I've said before, I stay on a better schedule when I'm going into work. And when I'm not going into mm -hmm. work, I'm, I'm all off track. So I, I feel you. It's a struggle. So our guest this week is Jennifer Tonti, and we invited her because she has switched over. She was writing Western dressage and she has switched over and is doing cutting. So she's, you know, she bought a horse and his name is Cracked Feather and he's adorable. But so we brought her on to talk kind of about like changing disciplines and what you take with you. Beth, what's your experience with doing something like that? So I did grow up, and I've mentioned before, riding in youth rodeo, 4-H, contesting. Um, so I grew up in a Western saddle. I did piddle around with like uh, English pleasure in the 4-H rings before I got into contesting. Yeah. Uh, so when I was really little, I was doing the, the rail classes and not a lot. I did a lot of the contesting, though, and I actually rode in youth rodeo for three years which wow. was a pretty extensive calendar that we had going. And I did like it. And when I moved to Ohio, I didn't do a ton in college, but when I was ready to get back into it as an adult and living here in Columbus, I thought, well, I guess I'm going to get back into barrel racing. So I started taking <laughs> barrel racing lessons and I was like, oh boy, nope, <laughs> nope, that's not going to work. And then I was taking lessons at a hunter jumper barn and I did not want to jump, though. I was not thinking like, oh, yeah, great, I'm going to jump. I rode there for six months. I didn't necessarily choose to switch into dressage, but I hadn't committed to any discipline. I had just committed to this horse and kind of this sense of he needed training. He needed value added because I didn't want him to end up back at the auction where he had come from. So it was like, I need to give this horse some knowledge so that he will be pleasant and someone else would want him if he ever couldn't be with me anymore. I think dressage perfectly fits my personality. It really suits me. And now that I'm in it, I'm like way in it, super in it. As far as the, the culture is so different from rodeo to dressage that I almost felt like I knew nothing. I absolutely knew nothing about equipment. The only skills that I knew for sure that I had was kind of horse care. So I knew a lot about wound care. I knew a lot about grooming and all that stuff is still the same. But the riding has almost nothing to do with each other. So when I started riding as a kid, I was like 11 years old, didn't have a horse, rode at a horsemanship school. So we had lesson horses. And then eventually I started riding some of the privately owned horses. And it was almost all Morgan horses, which is what I own now, a Morgan horse. So I was showing those horses at like our regional Morgan horse shows and, you know, riding these super amazing horses. And it was cool because I was going in and like winning ribbons, but I didn't get to keep any of them because they belonged to the owners. You know, like I would be riding a horse in Park Pleasure and then we'd change tack and two days later, that horse might go in Western pleasure. That's how it was. I think they're more differentiated now, but like all the various things that you were showing in, 
the horses sort of looked the same. It was just different tack. So then, do you think that's that's because of breed shows though? Because like right yes. now we go to discipline shows. Correct. You and I. Yes. But maybe if we went to a a breed show instead, it might be similar. Correct. Still? Yes, I think I think it would still be similar. Um, cause I've watched some of the streaming stuff and I'm like, yeah, it hasn't changed too much. Like the park horses are like really park, you know, and the Western might be a little bit less, but the Western and the English pleasure horses kind of look similar. The hunt horses maybe look a little bit different. When I went back to riding, it wasn't looking for, I want to go ride saddle seat. I want to go ride Western pleasure. I wasn't looking for any of that. I was just happy to get back into horses, but I was also kind of happy to do the dressage thing. So I, I feel like the riding as the kid did most of what you were referring to when you talk about those basic horse husbandry skills, you know, knowing how to pick a hoof, you know, knowing which side of the horse to mount on, you know, those were all the same. And that, I don't want to say lack of fear, but that confidence that you have in handling a horse was still there. And so it's really nice. And like, I'm so happy when I see friends that have kids that are getting into riding because I'm like, it's so great. Your kid is going to learn so much that have nothing to do with horses. I feel like it just gives you so much confidence in other areas of your life. And to that, we're going to bring on Jennifer Tonti, who I've become friends with from our barn. And she's no longer there because she's moved into other things, but she that's what we're going to talk about. Hi, hello, Jennifer. Hello, I'm very excited to have her on and talk about this idea of switching saddles, basically. So we're going to jump right in. We have some, you know, questions that are real specific to you, but like, what kind of process did you go through with changing disciplines and kind of what prompted you to, to branch over? And you can, of course, kind of give some background and segue into that. Uh, my my horse background, I always joke that horses were my midlife crisis. Um, mm -hmm. I, took, I took some um, English lessons when I was a kid, was 12. We did not have money when I was a kid and there were not horses nearby. I remember distinctly my father scrimping and saving to give me a lesson every other week for $20 at this English barn. And yeah. lasted for all of, I don't know, I wanna say about five or six months whatever i just we couldn't afford it so but i've always loved horses and when my youngest left home i was like well i can either lose my mind or alternatively find something to do with my passion and energy and i was like you know what i've always loved horses i have free time now i'm an adult i have my own money this is a thing that people do people adults ride horses i can do this so <laughs> So I started calling around, trying to find lesson programs locally here in central Ohio. Just luck of the draw, ended up at a, with a dressage trainer in a dressage barn. She bred Hanoverians, real small barn, real small program, old school dressage trainer, trained in Germany, real, real stern, not a lot of fluff, but I'm okay. I don't need a lot of fluff, right? That's okay. I'm like, you know, like if I, I, I don't know if someone's not like pointing out everything I'm doing wrong. I'm like, am I really learning? So yeah, <laughs> it was like perfect for me. I, I tell people that anytime that they're giving me instruction, I'm like, no, no, I ride dressage. Just pick me apart. Just that could do it. <laughs> so that's how I, that's how I started. It was kind of by accident, you know, really grew and grew into it. 
um, had, you know, went from, oh, I'm going to do a lesson a week to two lessons a week to leasing a horse to buying a horse in like eight months, I think was that was that journey. And so I bought my my first horse who was a it is still quite large. She's a Belgian draft, warm blood cross. Um, I had her for about five years and she was a very forgiving teacher with the beginning, which is great because that's exactly what I needed. And then, but the more that I was, you know, growing and learning, uh, she and I just weren't, weren't really clicking. And I didn't really fully understand just how much we weren't click, clicking quite. Now I, now I see it very clearly at the time I thought, you know, like, Oh, it's just me. And I just need to try harder. Um, but how I ended up making the switch was we do family vacations out West to do ranches. Um, we do them like every year, sometimes twice a year. So we, I had the opportunity while I was out there with a family friend to go and move cattle on federal grazing land. So this was not like a guest cattle drive. This was just like me and an honest to good cowboy in the mountains for a day, moving cattle that are just spread all across this mountainside. Wow. In preparation for this, I wanted to take, learn how to move a cow around because I had no idea how to do this. So I signed up for um, a couple of cutting lessons um, at the current barn I'm at right now. And that's the discipline that I ended up falling into, which is, which is cutting. And for those that don't, know what cutting is, it's quick explanation. You illustrate your ability to separate a cow from a herd of cattle, work that cow, keep it away from this herd so it can, you know, from a practical application, they can do whatever they need to do with that cow and getting that cow to submit to you and keeping it away from the herd. And it's a timed event. So anyhow, learned how to move a cow around a little bit and man, it was really fun, like super fun. So, but then I went back to dressage. I had my dressage horse and some time goes by, you know, she and I are continuing to struggle. Um, and then New Year's Eve of 2020, I came off during a lesson and rang my bell pretty good. So I was out of the saddle for a couple of weeks and that really shook my confidence. I'd come off before, but I don't know, there's something about this one just really felt different. And, you know, that's one thing about dressage, one of the things I like and one of my, the challenges for me as a person is that it's so mental and I am someone I can get trapped in my head and let that just take over everything mm. so for me. And I just could not seem to get into a good mental space with writing. And so I just started thinking, you know, it's too, I think you guys would agree. It's, it's too expensive and time consuming of a hobby to not really love what you're doing. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta do something to mix this up. So I decided to take a few more cutting lessons. And the reason I liked cutting for me, why it was so good is because there it's so fast. There is no time to think it's so it's reflex and reactivity. It's much, I would say it's a much less cerebral discipline and a lot more gritty which mm. was not something that was in my writing vocabulary at all. There was nothing gritty going on with my writing in general. So when I started doing it, it was the perfect thing that I needed at that time. It was completely out of my head. It was fun. 
and it helped over time. Believe me, it wasn't like this when I started, but over time, it's really helped me boost my confidence as a writer because I write in ways I never have before. Coming to writing as an adult, missing out on those formative years in your youth, your sense of self-preservation is so much more highly developed as an adult. You know, when you're wrestling with a 1200 pound animal and trying to get them to do what you want them to do, that can be a little bit intimidating. I think there's a certain fearlessness that comes from doing it when you're a kid, that when you're in your forties, you're like, you know, all you can see is a hospital bed ahead of you. (laughs) I hope this doesn't end badly. I was kind of lacking that level of confidence and that's something that has kind of helped. So that's how I ended up there. It's been great for me, for sure, as a writer. What has been the hardest thing about switching disciplines for you? Mm, Posture. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. So dressage, right? Shoulders back, a queenly carriage, cutting, shoulders rolled forward, your back rolled into a C. You think of having your seat tucked under you, shoulders rolled forward, and for lack of a better term, hunched over with your chin hovering over your saddle horn. Wow. And that's where you live. And yeah, that took me months and months to undo that. Uh, so that was the biggest physical struggle. That and then buying all new stuff, including a horse. <laughs> <laughs> How have you felt that dressage, though, has carried over into... Oh, so invaluable. So invaluable. I have control over my body, right? I can split my body into quadrants and I can solve problems with, you know, my left leg doing one thing and my right hand doing something else and I can break it down. And that I did not realize that that is what a skill that that was. Yeah. Um, And how quick, and I've, Notice, I don't think a lot of trainers are maybe used to being able to say, like, give that specific level of instruction, right? Like, drop when you're doing this, drop your right hip and push, right? Or, or whatever body manipulation is needed to get the desired result. You know, I can, you can, you know how it is, guys. I can break it down with a dressage thing. Like, I can do all the things with all my parts and. And that is a skill. Um, And I didn't recognize it for what it was until I went to change disciplines. So yeah. Well, and didn't you have, Jennifer, weren't you in a clinic and somebody like pointed out like how Mm -hmm. that has helped you so much? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she calls, she's like, she rides dressage. You're like, you see what she does and how well she does that? It's because she rode dressage. And that was like the sentence. And again, a little, little hair fluff. I was like, oh. So, but it, it really is like very, it's so, so beneficial. And also having such a clear picture of how our bodies are influencing our horse's movements, both intentionally and unintentionally. Uh, right oh yeah yeah. exactly why is he doing that well you know what's my left hip doing that's not helping so one one of the things with cutting when you're turning quickly right so if i'm facing one direction and i want to do a 180 into another direction the things like you're doing your 180 because your cow just did a 180 the natural tendency would be to follow that like oh it's going that way i'm gonna you know lean down with my left shoulder, right? And like almost dive into it. Like I'm trying to catch that cow, which I am trying to do, but it's 
much like with dressage, it's count, you know, it's not what you think. It's you're not leading with your shoulders. It's keeping those shoulders square and your body balanced. So you're not throwing your horse off balance so that they can roll back and turn as tightly as they need to. And that didn't need to be explained. That's, that was just, I get that. So yeah, dressage has been a huge help. That's cool. So now we want to talk horses. <laughs> and you could tell us about your current horse or like a favorite horse over your career of riding. So currently I have three horses. Two we just bought a <laughs> weeks ago. I know. I have to yeah. giggle a little, little at you. <laughs> oh my, God. my favorite horse right now is Cracker, who is my cutting horse, right? Who has... Uh, I went from having not a trusting relationship with my horse to having to be like on guard. What kind of a day are we going to have today? What's this ride going to be like to a boy who is just so calm and steady and just the same horse every day, every time let's go to work. No muss, no fuss, nothing phases him. And he's all those things and an incredible athlete. So uh, I'm like, what's not to love? He is like equine perfection as far as I am concerned. That being said, we just got another horse uh, a couple weeks ago. And his name is Flash, quarter horse gelding. And he is without a doubt the most forward horse I have ever ridden. A year ago, I would not have been comfortable on this horse at all. It had been a disaster because I did not have the confidence to ride that horse. I might've had the skill, but I would have been to, I, I call it like the screaming monkey brain. You know what I mean? Like the danger, ah, you know, you know the sound, right? Like that yeah. danger sense that like, this is not going to end well. So any skill that I had would frequently get overridden by my screaming monkey brain. But now because of the writing I've been doing over the past year, you know, this guy can, you know, brace and evade and has one speed and that's really fast or, like that's just that's just how he's wired but he's also a ton of fun and once you work through all the shenanigans such a good boy so just yeah just just such a good boy well we just had to have that conversation first so he was the marrying of my dressage skill my riding skill and the grittiness and fearlessness i've gained over the past year in cutting it brought those two completely different skills. I needed both of those things to be able to ride this horse. Mm. And I've got, and I, and I had what I needed because of those two experiences. And it wasn't just such a great ride on the horse. It's the recognition that, wow, I could not be riding this horse as effectively had it not been for all these experiences that I had. Like they 100% landed me there on his back and able to to be an effective rider for him so he is currently like making his little hoof prints on my heart he's very very handsome Hmm. liver chestnut with four white socks wow i love a liver chestnut oh me too (laughs) what is your favorite thing about the horse that you ride the most Mm, my favorite thing about the horse i ride the most so the horse i ride the most is cracker and he has, he will have forever shown me how good, it, how good it can be. He is 16 years old and I have done things with him that I've never been able to do with, with any, with any horse. Like it, it sounds goofy, but like loping bareback, right? Cantering bareback. 
I didn't ride bareback. I was a kid. I wasn't ride. I didn't ride as a child. So I wasn't riding bareback. And then I start riding as an adult, you know, it's kind of tough to ride bareback because you got to get up there, stirrups. I've got, you know, if I fall, really going to hurt. But, you know, my, I have a good seat and thank you, dressage. Yeah. And he's so calm and quiet and trustworthy that things that I questioned whether I was ever going to have, you know, the guts to do that. Now, now I'm hot stuff where I can ride. And because cutters move, they steer off your feet, which is, I don't know if people do that. You don't need, I don't need reins to ride my horse. I can 100% control him, tight circle, anything stops with just my, just my legs, which is super fun. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite things about Cracker. Can you tell us about an aha moment you've had in your equine journey? I always like about when it clicked for me about the importance of the outside rain because mm-hmm. I didn't understand <laughs> that, right? I always, you know, the memes or it's like all this complex math equation and how that works. <laughs> so I was watching cat videos on YouTube and it was a picture of a cat it going squeezing itself into a box, uh, like a plexiglass box, right? And he was stretching. And he was pushing himself into the corner of the plexiglass glass box. And all of a sudden, in a flash, I'm like, the outside rain is like the edge of the box. You can <laughs> but I wasn't even thinking of dressage. I wasn't in the saddle. I was watching cat videos on YouTube. But I was like, oh my gosh, I, I get it. Because I did not have a clue about that before that. So that little epiphany that the outside rain provides a wall... <laughs> that's where it came from that was uh, that that still cracks me up because I'm that's amazing. like standing like hands on my head the whole bit my husband's wondering what on earth I'm talking about but that is our best aha moment ever <laughs> that's amazing I had no idea where you were going with that but <laughs> anyhow well, what's been the hardest thing you've had to learn so far in your equine journey? You know, the hardest thing, without a doubt, the most painful lesson is that sometimes horses and riders just don't click, right? And that 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 is okay. And that's okay. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with anybody. Sometimes you guys just don't click because, man, that was an emotional block that I had to get over was selling my, my first mare. Oh, tough. That was really tough. It was tough not to feel, and I don't know if this is a woman thing, right? Like to take, like I'm failing, you know, but that's, those were the, the feelings and emotion. And thank God there was somebody who knew her for years, loved her, loved riding her and jumped at the opportunity when she heard that I might be willing to sell her because I don't know that I ever could have like actually like, Oh, put up an ad and marketed her. Like I still, I would still have that horse. And I, all of the growth I've experienced over the past year would not have happened. I'm going to say if there could be like a moral of the story, learn from that lesson that if it's, again, we're, we're so limited on time and funds and all of those things that if it's not the right fit and you've given it a good try and I'm here for like five years, we tried that it's okay. That was my toughest lesson, I think, but a valuable one. Would you please tell us about a memorable adventure or equine experience that you've had? Mm, um, I've had lots. I'm lucky enough to have done some really cool horseback vacations. And I think that's where 
one of my favorite ones has come from. So uh, we went to, hmm, I forgot how many years ago this was, four years ago, maybe three years ago. We were lucky enough to visit Iceland and um, had the opportunity to ride Icelandic horses. And we were in Iceland in early April. So the weather was absolutely what you would expect at Iceland in very early spring, which was not spring-like at all. And I remember being out on these lava fields on this Icelandic horse and my um, girlfriend that I was traveling with and our husbands, we were there and we were laughing hysterically as we enjoyed our Icelandic facials, which were just all of our skin being peeled off from the ice that was just like, pounding us in our faces and it's a beautiful day i mean there, there there was no complaints about the weather you just get on with life in iceland when the weather is bad it was just it was a lovely day as far as they were concerned and we were just <laughs> laughing we're like if this isn't the quintessential you know icelandic experience with our ice facials on on horseback and so yeah truly we were, we were glowing after that ride i i think i lost like three layers of skin but it was really fun and the tolt is very smooth and we did the whole thing where we had glasses and cruised along and not to spill a drop and yeah it was it was really fun um almost made me interested in gated horses for a minute almost <laughs> almost almost we call this question our horsey hack you know like what's a non-equestrian product that you have found a great use for, for around the barn my dogs are wrestling over here <laughs> i can kind of hear them <laughs> I, I, I apologize i'm trying to decide to you know like what i can throw at them so yeah my latest horse hack actually as i get older and my eyes are not great a high-powered LED flashlight I have started keeping in my bag because I can see, like if I shine enough light on things, I can see. So in there, looking at their feet, in their hooves, everybody's got their winter coats on, right? Looking what's going on in their skin. It sounds so goofy, but I mean, how often do we really, 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 really look at our horses like close up and like yeah. all the you shine a bright light on things and it's like looking under a microscope it's like oh my god look at all that <laughs> so that is my that is my latest horse hack where i started keeping one in my bag and it is it is invaluable and so anytime i'm looking at things i just whip that thing out and actually can see what i'm looking at i have a ball cap that i picked up from Horseware Ireland, a booth at like Rolex a few years ago. And it has on the bill, the front of the bill, it has three LED lights. And then you put a like a watch battery in it. Uh -huh. And I keep it in my tub for horse shows because like usually I have my phone on me or something. But just because I think like it could come in handy one day, although I'm sure I'll never be able to find the battery at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. But now I'm thinking like, I just need to get rid of that hat and just buy a flashlight on Amazon. That's what I need. <laughs> it's come in really handy. So I'm kind of obsessed with them lately. And what about a favorite horsey product that you love? Mm, an actual equine product. The Smart Pack. So um, they offer a, a supplement called Horse Shine. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it's an omega-3 
It's like good for what ails you, right? It's like their coats, hoof health. It's good for pregnant mares, nursing mares, and just generally any any horse that you put them on. And just, I'm not kidding you. I go into the barn and take his blanket off and just stand back and look at him. I'm just like, man, you are so good looking. <laughs> and I swear by that supplement. So these two new guys that uh, we just got a couple of weeks ago, they were turned out with cattle, not getting proper nutrition, not getting proper care. They were, they were a mess. So the first thing I did was start them on Horse Shine. And I am really excited to see what the results in about a month. Very, very excited to see the, to see the difference. Helps horses blow their, their winter coats. Yeah, it generally keeps them looking. But check it out. I buy the bags because it's I'm cheap. <laughs> and I've got three horses now, so I can't actually afford the individual smart bags. <laughs> that is our, that's our show. And Jennifer, Jennifer thanks awesome for coming. Having you. Oh, thank you guys so much. That was so much fun. I was really looking forward to it. And I, I feel like we should also mention, um, because we, we didn't, and I didn't in my intro, is that you are also a realtor. So we'll put your link in the show notes too. But do. And horse properties are my passion. Yes, they I, are my passion. I do everything from, you know, condos, single families in the city, all those things. But anytime I get to tromp around the countryside and look at barns, I'm pretty pumped about that. So. <laughs> but, and and we know like, well, I know, I know several people that have had good success with you either buying or selling a farm a horse place and so i i appreciate that and yeah no any any and all uh real estate needs you know just let me know happy to help any way that i any way that i can all right thank you so much ladies this was so much fun you're so welcome so thank you so yeah. so don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast and visit our facebook page and until next time Enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy the ride. <laughs>